Hi, I'm Don Mackey, and welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting-edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Welcome to this episode of Pathways to Rural Prosperity. This is Don Mackey with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, and I will be your host for today's podcast. And with me today is a colleague, I'm pretty sure a friend, Patty Norris, who works with the Growing Rural Oregon Initiative, primarily working with rural communities in the great state of Oregon. Patty, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Don. You bet. Patty, as is our custom with these podcasts, I uh, always like to give our guests a chance to introduce themselves by just sharing a little bit about your journey that has brought you to this work today with GROW. And so share a little bit about yourself and how you got here. Well, like most people who have been around for a while, my past path into this position was a little circuitous. <laughs> Although as I look back on it, it actually is such a perfect fit with what I've been doing both in my professional Mm -hmm. life and my personal life that in retrospect, it seems almost predestined. I'm descended from a long line of farmers. So entrepreneurs for generations, although I never lived on a farm, but from the time I was three years old, I lived in an entrepreneurial household. My parents had a number of entrepreneurial ventures as I was growing up. And I got to help in all of those from stocking shelves and answering phones to helping customers and delivering packages. So I've been an entrepreneur kid from the early days. Even my allowance each month was based on a percentage of our family revenue. You could definitely say that entrepreneurship is in my blood. When I went off to college, I got a bachelor's degree in economics with a focus on accounting and finance, because I kind of knew that business was my jam and started working in Silicon Valley. My first job was documenting and developing and training and providing support on accounting software. So got Mm -hmm. very deep into the whole accounting world, then moved on to technical support and marketing and product management for a number of high-tech products. During that time, I also went back to school and got an MBA while I was working full-time, so I like to stay busy. Shortly after that, I began getting requests to help on consulting projects and ended up turning that into a full-time consulting business. So that was keeping me busy. Then the time came when we just decided we wanted out of the Silicon Valley rat race and Mm -hmm. a little different lifestyle. So we packed up and moved to Central Oregon. At that same time, I had a baby and we had thought that we would be able to do our Silicon Valley jobs remotely. But back at that time, remote work wasn't quite the thing that it is now. (laughs) And so that didn't end up being possible. So we developed new careers up here in rural Central Oregon and 
at that time, because I had a small child, I was looking for flexibility. Mm -hmm. So rather than taking another 40 to 60 hour a week job with a commute and so forth, I kind of cobbled together my consulting along with teaching business and computer science for our local community college and becoming a business advisor for the Small Business Development Center. So all of that let me play in those areas while still providing the needs for my child. During COVID, as I was doing those jobs mostly from home, I got to take advantage of the plethora of webinars Mm -hmm. that sprung up during that time on all kinds of business topics, which was great because I love to increase my own education on things. And along the way, I ran into actually a few webinars on entrepreneurial ecosystems, which was a new concept and a new thought for me. But the more I learned about it, the more nope. the more I gathered on it and I just kind of filed it away. Then a little over a year ago, I happened to run across job listing for in my local area for an entrepreneurial ecosystem builder. And the little light turned on and I knew I had to apply and the rest, as they say, is history. Absolutely. And again, congratulations on your anniversary. That's neat. And I knew we had studying economics in common, but I didn't realize your your more youthful trip or journey is similar to mine. I mean, my family got out of ranching and farming, not by choice, but by necessity in the Great Depression. And they all went into small businesses. So I'm sure you can relate to this. I never had to worry about having a job. There was an expectation that there was always a job for me somewhere in the family businesses. So that's kind of neat that we've got that in common. Well, you mentioned your work with the Oregon Small Business Development Center. And just for our guests, this is an initiative by the U.S. Small Business Administration, a federal agency within the Department of Commerce. And Every state and every U.S. territory has SBDCs, the shorthand for Small Business Development Centers. Share a little bit about that work, because you also worked in Klamath, did some work with CAT, with uh, Klamath Idea, which kind of backdoor introduction into the GROW initiative. So share a little bit about what you did for SBDC during that stint. I love working with SBDC clients. It's like free tech support for businesses. Mm -hmm. You know, a business owner or potential business owner calls in with a problem or a question and you help them solve it. You never know what you're going to get. So you have to be well-informed on a broad range of topics and processes and resources. Sometimes the interactions are quick and sometimes they evolve over time. Mm -hmm. I have many former SBDC clients that I consider friends. And then in addition to solving problems, I taught a number of classes for SBDC, everything from how to start a business to a lot of classes on using QuickBooks, getting your recipe to market, so Mm food-based businesses, finance and accounting for decision-making, and many, many more, including some on farming, not how to farm, but how to make a business of your farm products. I love the tangible impact of SBDC training and advising. And in my current position, I feel like I still get to make that tangible difference just at a community level instead of with one business at a time. 
Well, and I think you touched on something with your SBDC experience, and that is, in a lot of ways, these entrepreneurial communities or ecosystem initiatives really boil down to how do we as a community do a better job of simply helping the entrepreneurs that we have in our backyard learn how to be better at what they do and in turn generate more successful businesses, not just for themselves, but for the community. So very relevant experience. So let's go to GROW. Again, for the audience, GROW stands for Growing Rural Oregon. It got started just before the pandemic, and so that's created some challenges, as did the pandemic for so many folks. But Patty, for the benefit of our audience, share a little more about what GROW is and what it's trying to do in rural Oregon. Well, the complicated answer is that GROW is an initiative that's housed with the Oregon Economic Development Districts and executed by Central Oregon Intergovernmental Council, which is where I work. It's financially supported by the Ford Family Foundation, who's a great supporter of all kinds of community building initiatives in rural Oregon and Siskiyou County, California, and has directional support and technical assistance and just love and support from you, Don, and uh, the team at E2 and Network Kansas. So that's the, the technical answer. What GROW provides, thanks to the generous support of the Ford Family Foundation, the communities that are selected to participate are provided with data and training, access to low-cost loans and legal services for entrepreneurs, technical assistance, up to $100,000 a year for multiple years to support staff and programming, supportive network of peer communities, and a coach to support, assist, and encourage them in their journey, and that's me. Well, and I think one of the neat things, just for the benefit of our listeners, is there's a fascinating connection with the Ford Family Foundation, and and I really love this part of it is that the the Ford Family founded and created and grew a remarkable timber and lumber business, and were very successful at it in Oregon, and then decided we really want to support the communities where we had operations. And they created the Ford Family Foundation, which today and has for a long time, going back to the 1950s, supported rural community development in all of rural Oregon, but also in a county in Northern California where they had timber operations. So it's kind of a neat connection between a successful entrepreneurial family saying we want to give back, and now they're supporting rural communities in pursuit of entrepreneurial development. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's give our audience a bit of a a sense of the work you do. So last month, we interviewed another e-communities coach, Luke, who works out of uh, rural Kansas. Uh, Luke has been an economic developer. He and his wife have a uh, brew pub, and but he's also a community coach, but in this case, working with E3, which stands for Energizing Entrepreneurial Ecosystems and the Community of Red Cloud. So Luke kind of shared his perspectives, Patty, on uh, what it is to be a community coach. Share with our audience what your typical month looks like and kind of your work with your partner communities. Well, in a nutshell, 
I'm here to help when they need me. And sometimes even when they don't know they need me. (laughs) So each one of our communities is unique and has their own challenges and opportunities. And just like a sports coach, my job is to support that local team to take on those challenges and help them navigate their way through the obstacles that they come across, all with this foundation of our Grove framework based on the E2 framework. So monthly, I meet with each local team in person, if at all possible, and their team leaders and work with them in between meetings to give them ideas and advice, connect them with resources, to act as their cheerleader, and sometimes to be a shoulder to cry on. This work isn't fast or easy. And so I'm here to help them organize and sustain the effort until hopefully it becomes ingrained in their local culture. Absolutely. And so maybe share a little bit about the communities that you're working with in terms of where they're at and their situation, but maybe also drill down into what's happening in St. Helens. St. Helens is one of the newer communities to join the Grow family, but has really made some steady progress. And so share a little bit with our audience descriptions of the communities that are part of the Grow portfolio and maybe do a drill down into uh, St. Helens. Well, let's see. I'm working in five communities, and I'm fortunate that I am located almost in the geographical center (laughs) of Oregon because my communities are all over from there. We're, let's see, working in Southern Oregon in Klamath Falls, who has been working with this program for a while. Some of you may be familiar with Kat Rutledge, who has Mm -hmm. been running things down there. And they are in the process of hiring a new executive director and kind of restarting their program. And so we'll be helping them along with that. In the Willamette Valley, which is kind of the heart of Oregon industry, we're working in the community of Independence, which is near Salem. And they have a strong team there that they're expanding out of a co-working space or have the resource of a co-working space Mm -hmm. that they're working with in Grant County, which is in Eastern Oregon. We have some team there that's trying to kind of battle through some uh, interesting political situations. And so we're working with them and, and trying to get them the resources they need to do that. Over on the coast, we're working in Tillamook, famous for the cheese and the ice cream, for those of you who know that. Well, we can get the cheese here. We can't get the ice cream, but we have some Tillamook cheese in the fridge right now. <laughs> yep. That's a good a good thing and always a important stop whenever mm-hmm. I'm over there. They're the newest program mm-hmm. to our cohort here and are rolling along. They've got a navigator working over there, reaching out to businesses. They're putting on a pitch competition for local businesses. And I think we have a really great team going there. And then finally, as you mentioned, St. Helens. St. Helens is just northwest of Portland and on the Columbia River. And we've got a great dynamic team there with a navigator in place and a number of activities 
that they're pulling off. We're just completed a funders luncheon where not only did they bring in (laughs) bankers and other types of lenders to come together, people who had never gotten together before to gather information about what resources were available, but we also started building these connections for those people so that they can then extend that help and support and that referral network out to the people that they encounter. And that's really what we're going for here is not just to have a navigator who has information to do the work, but to have the whole community working together and sharing resources together and making connections together. So all of our communities are in different places and and have a little different path, but they're on their way. Absolutely. And I think you would be hard-pressed to find five communities that have such unique attributes. I mean, it's a pretty diverse portfolio of communities, different geographies, different underlying economies, different sizes, and so it's pretty rich. Don't you think, at the end of the day, you you touched on something I just want to double down on, and that is, this really is about getting people connected getting resources connected to entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs connected to each other, to other resources, with the idea that this is kind of a team sport and there's a lot of help out there. But if you don't know how to find it, you don't know how to connect to it, we miss opportunities. Don't you think that's a lot of what GROW is all about, is just increasing the connectedness between resources, the community, and the entrepreneurs in those communities? Absolutely. We really try to make the point that GROW is not a program. GROW is not the end, it's the means. And it's about creating communities that are supportive of each other and of their entrepreneurs, not about the tactics of how we do that with GROW. My hope is that as we launch these communities, that they will be able to hold on to that once the funding's gone, once whatever support system's gone, and they will just have made a culture change. I liken it to a diet versus a lifestyle change. And grow is not a diet. We don't want it to just begin and end. There is no, we've accomplished this. It's about creating that culture of collaboration in those communities that will continue, hopefully, forever. Absolutely. And of course, a little bit of exciting news. The Ford Family Foundations made the decision to stay with GROW, and there's serious talk of a second cohort of communities in 2024. And so that looks like that's on the horizon, which would add to the number of communities in Oregon that are potentially uh, working together to help entrepreneurs uh, in their landscapes. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to spending the coming year identifying and preparing those communities to start a second cohort and to have our existing cohort one communities be able to mentor those second cohort communities. Because another big part of this is this peer network. So Someday I'll be gone. Someday the Ford money will be gone, but they'll still have this support system to help them keep up with that lifestyle change. 
Absolutely. Well, Patty, as I shared at the beginning, this always goes fast. And we're at that point where we do need to wrap up this edition of Pathways to Rural Prosperity. But two final questions. You mentioned you grew up in an entrepreneurial family. You've done consulting. Have you ever considered becoming an entrepreneur again? Well, I'm never not an entrepreneur. (laughs) So I do still do some consulting. I'm also sort of a community entrepreneur. I've started, well, a number now of nonprofits mm-hmm. that, you know, support the community and I'm helping to to make sure that those run. I don't foresee that I would set myself up in a retail store or design the the hottest new tech product, but supporting people in my community is what I'm about and Sometimes that means I have to take that on myself rather than looking for another place to do that. Well, I love your answer. And it reminds me of something that Mr. Kaufman was known to say, who founded the UN Marion Kaufman Foundation, a pretty remarkable entrepreneur in his own right. He said, life is better when you live a life entrepreneurially. And so it sounds like you're doing that in a lot of different ways. (laughs) Absolutely. One final question, and then we'll let you go. As you think about your work with Grow, what would you like to have or be true in one year? Well, a year from now, I'd really like for all of our first cohort communities to have increased the number of engaged champions in their communities and to feel like they're really well into the rhythm of the ground game. Grow isn't just about the staff or the leadership doing the work. It's about creating that culture. And so getting the community more broadly than just our core teams really engaged in this work is something that I'd like to see us have in place a year from now. And then, of course, I'd also like to have our second cohort selected and trained and ready to get going. Absolutely. Well, we'll be pulling for you and hopefully we'll continue to work with you. Absolutely. So, uh, Patty, thank you for being my guest today. Certainly, Don. Thanks so much for having me. And I look forward to continue being your friend and (laughs) working with you as we go on. I appreciate the validation. (laughs) So, folks, as we wrap up this edition of Pathways to Rural Prosperity, remember uh, there are a whole set of resources that are accessible to you free of charge uh, through our website, energizingentrepreneurs.org. Those are organized by questions and themes. So if you're looking, how do I fund an entrepreneurial ecosystem? There's resources on that. And Patty mentioned the ground game, this working one-on-one and small groups of entrepreneurs. There's information on that as well. And also, as is always the case, if you've got a question, just drop me an email and I'd be happy to start a conversation. Specific to this podcast, we have some resources. We're going to share a bit more about Growing Rural Oregon uh, through the website, and that is being updated as we speak. Also, some information on the Ford Family Foundation, including a podcast I did a year ago with the CEO of the foundation and Kathleen, who is the leader within the foundation with Grow. And so we'll be sharing uh, some of that information with you as part of this podcast. So folks, all our best to you, our listeners, and your efforts to grow a stronger rural America, one community at a time. Thanks and take care. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey, and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Mm -hmm.